beautiful women or feminine energy is not necessarily peaceful and complacent and makes you feel good. Sometimes she's a fierce lion who is protecting her children, standing up and saying what needs to be said. And the cosmic mother, she's taking care. And sometimes that requires some intense action. That's Julie Pyatt. And this is the Ritual Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Greetings, podcast-consuming citizens of the world. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. Thanks for dropping by. How are you guys doing? Are you good? It's pretty crazy out there these days. Every day, it seems like there's a new global crisis, a new drama to distract us, to upset us. It seems like it's all accelerating. Maybe that's just me, but I don't think so. In any event, it's easier than ever to get stressed, to get disconnected from what's truly important, to default to anxiety, to old behaviors, at least (laughs) it is for me. That's my experience. And there's been a lot of concern over the last day or so about my family's well-being in the wake of these insane, terrifying, apocalyptic Los Angeles fires. Uh, Thank you for all the well wishes, everybody out there. It's very appreciated. But we're fine. Uh, Not everybody is fine, but happy to report that we are safe. Our home is safe, at least for uh, the time being. But the wind is insane right now, something like 80 miles an hour. Uh, And that means we have to be on high alert because these timbers, these, uh, these flaming little pieces of wood are flying all over in the air and anything can happen. And meanwhile, the air quality is really bad. Uh, my lungs are searing. My tent got destroyed. But we have blue skies above here in the Santa Monica Mountains, which makes it all the more eerie because just a few miles down the road, it's like this Armageddon that's raging. Uh, I have plenty of friends that had to be evacuated from their homes. And it's just it's terrible and it's really scary. So if you're listening and you're in it, please stay safe. And my thoughts are with you. Just got back from New York City last night. I was there for a few reasons, but the main one was that it was a daddy-daughter trip with my daughter, Mathis, who's 13. She turns 14 in two weeks, kind of a birthday trip with her. Uh, She's an artist, a painter. She's trying to get into this performing arts high school next year called Loxa, an art high school. She's preparing her portfolio. And we went to New York so that I could take her to a bunch of museums and galleries And beyond that, uh, to attend the Charity Water Gala at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I wanted to bring my daughter to that. It was a big to-do, a big fancy black tie fundraiser with tons of very fancy people. And it was really cool. They ended up raising $4.5 million that night, which is insane. And I got to go because of all of you guys. Uh, Ever since my podcast with Scott Harrison, the founder and CEO of Charity Water, Together, we raised something like $120,000 from the spring, which is their monthly donation service, as well as $64,000 from my birthday campaign. So almost $200,000. I don't know exactly the dollar amount, but it was a lot. Uh, So this is me again thanking all of you for contributing. Uh, Your money, your your hard-earned dollars, 100% of that is going directly to fund water projects for those most in need, which will bring clean water to thousands of people for the very first time. And we'll have this incredible ripple effect 
for many generations to come. And that's just an amazing thing. It is a gift to humanity. And I was honored to attend that fancy party, not really as me, but as an emissary, as an ambassador, as a representative of all of you guys and your very large hearts. So again, thank you. Today's podcast is the last in this series of sharing audio from the workshops that we conducted during our Plant Power Ireland retreat last July. And we take this out with a bang, with a powerful discourse, dialogue, and Q&A hosted by myself, my wife, Julie, Julie Pyatt, and doctor of traditional Chinese medicine, Colin Hudon, who is also an acupuncturist. He is a master healer, a tea master, uh, the proprietor of Living Tea, livingtea.net. He imports amazing teas from China and Taiwan, all over Asia, and a man much wiser than his years. And this episode is focused on relationships, uh, how to see the divine in your partner, how to navigate conflict, how to upend this outdated prince princess paradigm that we found ourselves in and ultimately how to redefine how we relate to our most loved ones to experience the best of what a relationship can bring to your experience here on planet earth uh, but first we're brought to you today by on I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. 
They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life and recovery is wonderful. And recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Meditation has been a recurring theme on this podcast, dating back to its beginnings. And in conversation always leads people to asking me about the best way to begin. There are no shortage of modalities of resources and apps available. I have experience with many of them, but my mainstay, I have to say, the one that I have found most useful is waking up. It's this unique treasure trove of wisdom that has become so important to my daily routine that the app finds itself right in the dock of my phone for immediate fingertip access. Beyond its robust catalog of daily meditations, it's also this extraordinary library of mindfulness resources that go well beyond the strictures of meditation with courses on stoicism, cognitive behavioral therapy, time management, procrastination, as well as thoughtful conversations with leading scholars on everything from psychedelics to happiness. It really is one of the most worthy investments you can make in yourself. And listeners of the show can get 30 days to try waking up for free. Plus, you'll save $30 on the in-app price. If price is a concern, waking up offers the app for free, astonishingly for anyone who can't afford it. You can find the links on their website to get a full scholarship right now. Just go to wakingup.com slash richroll to start your free month today. That's wakingup.com slash richroll. Okay, really quick. As this podcast is lifted from our most recent retreat, I thought it was worth mentioning that our next retreat will be in Tuscany in May of 2018. As of now, that trip is sold out, but sometimes people drop out for whatever reason. So if you're super keen on going, on attending, you can still add your name to a wait list, or you can also put your name down for our Italy trip in 2019. Uh, plus, we may add another event. Not sure at this point. In any event, all the information can be found at ourplantpowerworld.com. Final note, it appears that the record button on the audio for this session wasn't uh, pushed until we were about a couple minutes into this session. So it kind of picks up in the middle of uh, the presentation. So you're just going to have to deal with that aspect of this. But otherwise, it's fantastic. So with all that said, here is me, Julie, Colin Hudon, and our retreaters diving deep into the world of relationships. Enjoy. It's perfect that we're rolling into relationship divine marriage now with this. It, Tyler, are we cool on the, okay. So um, I did a practice for, you know, many, many years, maybe over 10 years. I have a sacred silver bowl from Thailand that's almost pure silver. 
And, you know, years ago when Rich was struggling, I filled this bowl with water and I have a crystal that represents him. And it's a big citrine. It's about, you know, five inches by three inches wide. And every single morning, I placed that crystal in water with flowers and with essences as a devotion to the embodiment of his being. And I think I told him about it last year. He never even knew that I did it. So every morning that I go to the altar, that water gets offered over the stone as I chant, and then it gets filled back up and the crystal gets placed again and the essences are dropped. And, you know, I put, what did I do? Like, who told me to do that? Like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know. I put essences that were, you know, nourishing, you know, maybe frankincense, always rose oil. Um, and I try to put the water warm so it's a little more nourishing, you know, nurturing. And there were times where I would put two blossoms in there, one for him and one for me, you know. And then there were times where I got angry with him and I wanted to stop and I wanted to pour it out and go, screw it, you do it. You do your own devotion. And so I did that for like a day and then I was like, that's not the way. So I began again. So anyway, so those are just some examples. But what I would say, be a free being, create, you know, some of you, I looked around at what you chose as nature representations of yourself. And, you know, some of the, some of the guys had like a stone, you know, some of the guys had like the stiff, you know, bigger stick. Some of the women had like beautiful patterns of flowers, but really we're both of those. We're both the masculine energy and the feminine energy. And so sometimes in spiritual traditions, you're given a name like when I was given Ma Ananda Srimati, I was like, oh, what a, how blessed I am, blissful, beautiful, and fortunate. But then as I sat with it, the meaning of that was that I was far from blissful, beautiful, and fortunate. I was very hard on myself. I was judgmental. I was holding a lot of mental, I was trying to be the best student. I was like gripping. I was in a power crouch, like when you ski and you're in the power crouch and you're gripping. Um, and uh, what that name means is that that's what I need in my life. I need the bliss. I need the beauty. I need to relax. I need to be in that and accepting of that. So, um, you know, make your own way. You are, you have the permission to have your own ritual. You don't need anybody's permission. So you're all, you know, basically ministers or priests or gurus of your own energetic field. So great, beautiful session today. Thanks. Okay, so I'm really excited about talking to you guys today and uh, Rich, Rich and I to share about, um, you know, Yeshim act, asked yesterday about, you know, what are the things that bring us together and what are the things that bring us apart? And I had this really wonderful experience again, you know, sort of birth from Colin. Uh, we were on retreat in Italy and a friend of his, Mia, who pours tea, wanted to have this charity event. And we were really busy like here. And he was like, Mati, you know, can we have the event with Wu and this guy, David Data, at your house? And I really wanted to check him out because he's known as like a sex guide or a sex guru. And in my experience, when we, you get into the sexual realms of spirituality, it's, it's often very not good. Um, and it seems to be the area where we fall down a lot as human beings. So, 
you know, in a perfect world, I would have checked him out, but Colin kept coming to me. You know, he's like, she's calling, she's calling, she wants an answer. So I finally said, okay. And really, really because it was Wuda, because I love Wuda so much. And I was like, well, if Wuda's there, it can't be bad. So about a day before the event, I went on the website and looked at his photo and I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like the picture that was looking at me. And I thought, I felt kind of like, oh, I hope, I was like, Colin. And he was off in like China or Spain or something. So he wasn't even gonna be there. So anyway, we ended up having this beautiful tea ceremony with Wuda that, you know, when you guys meet Wuda, which you will someday, um, he just is a, He's just a, a ball of love, like the most beautiful energy ever. Just the, just magnificent. I saw him in New York during my book launch, Leah and I went and sat with him and I cried through his entire offering. Just the beauty emanating from this being is so, so gorgeous. And he's so human. He's so, so with you. So anyway, um, David Data arrived to my house and walked on, walked in the room for his, um, his presentation. And I'm thinking, what is this guy going to teach me? I've been married three times. I have four kids. You know, I'm still married almost 20 years. He's not, you know, like, and he looks a little awkward, you know, kind of an awkward looking guy. I'm like, what is he going to teach me about this? And, um, he, when he came in, he was very vulnerable, which was a great quality. I could see his vulnerability. And so he shared some things about masculine and feminine energies on an existential level. And I haven't explored all of his work all the way through to the end. So I'm not telling you that it's a complete work. But what I will tell you is I think what I'll share with you in, these, in this session is going to be very interesting to you. So as I understand it, he describes the masculine energy as being emptiness. It's stillness, presence, and empty. And uh, the feminine energy is eternally creating. She creates in creating and creating and creating for eternity. So no matter how much the masculine loves, cherishes, and is devoted to this feminine energy, every time she enters his space, he will cringe slightly. <laughs> So when he said this, I sat up because I was like, I, I, am, I am positive that I use that exact, exact adjective when talking to Rich, you know, during some argument. You know, I was like, you are so not okay with me. When I walk in the room, you cringe. And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> and I'm like, you do too. I feel it like on every single level. So anyway. So this is at an existential level. It's the setup. It's the way it's been made. And we have to be careful because I'm talking about feminine and masculine energies, and all of us have both of that within us, and so they're expressed a little bit different. But the huge clue for this for me is that Rich and I have been arguing or being separated because of these two fundamental differences in who we are. And so every time I'm walking in the room and he's cringing, I'm getting wounded over it. I'm getting hurt over it. And every time I'm walking in and disturbing his peace, he's saying, you're too much. It's too much. Slow down. Stop creating. You always want to do so much. And it's because the energy doesn't want to be disturbed. It's in, the, it's in that peace. And so another funny thing that David explained is he said that 
as guys, you know, or feminine ma or masculine energy, they're, it's a very one, like one energetic focus. And he said, you know, as feminine energies, we're firing on every single level. So the intuition is just like, we walk into a room and we're reading it like 45 different ways. And it's part of how we are. So we don't just look at what somebody says on, like when we walk into our partner and he says, hi, honey, we've got like, you know, 40 tentacles of experience wrapping around that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we're assessing it from all areas. And that's why you get this experience where the dude is just like, what? And we're like, <laughs> you know, what do you mean? Like, I know exactly how you feel, exactly what's going on. It's quite, you know, fascinating. So he tells this funny anecdote and he says, he says, he's like, seriously, we need to be told exactly the situation, like flat out. He's like, sometimes like if we're having sex and we're in this amazing romantic m moment, and if, if I, you know, am with my partner and she makes a sound, like some sound, like, uh, he goes, we seriously don't know if we've hurt you, <laughs> if you're in ecstasy, if, you know, like we just don't know. We literally don't know. And I think a lot of times with feminine energy, we get so indignant. We're like, why should we have to explain it to you? You know, <laughs> you should know. Like, if you loved me, if you were devoted to me, you would know these things. And so these are these fundamental, you know, differences. Um, the other thing is that the most important thing for the masculine energy is his life mission. It is his purpose. That is the number one of a masculine energy. The number one important experience of the feminine is to be seen. To be seen, right? And, and probably that's in, within it connection. So uh, I think, and I want to open this up like to women in the room, because I think we're at a, at a moment in life where we are being asked to um, re- Reimagine or re-embody what the feminine means in this planet. This planet has been run by a, a grossly imbalanced patriarchal system, and things have been way out of balance. And I don't really think we even know what this looks like. However, taking this one step further, the feminine energy is set up to sabotage the masculine. And she will always sabotage the masculine or the feminine energy will always sab sabotage, I use that word, but basically sh she knows that he is not living his fullest potential. And so the way that the energy is set up is it goes in to disrupt for the purpose of causing the ultimate evolution, which is his return to his soul. So when I say eternal, like this is going to go on like forever to the end of time. And so some of these things were very meaningful to me and they were very healing to me to allow the wounding to stop. And, you know, at, I want, of course, I wanted Rich to read the book and I knew he wasn't going to read it. <laughs> so then I, I, I did uh, try to get him on the podcast though. He said, no. I wasn't there he for the, I wasn't there for the event that you saw, but like when you explained all this to me, I was like, wow, that's, that's like revelatory. You know, it's, it was like, it just hit me 
to the core, I was like, that is so true. And I think when you say the healing aspect of it, it's the healing comes in the depersonalization of the whole thing. Like you can take your personalities out of this dynamic and realize like, oh, this is a setup, right? And it allows you to sort of navigate it in a more objective state of mind. But yeah, I tried to get David on, but he he wants to meet. He but declined. He didn't, he didn't want to be on the podcast. So <laughs> anyway, I'm working uh, on it. He just he's a he's a he's a highly spiritual being. He lives like in nature, and he comes out to do his own programs. I mean, I want to think that maybe he doesn't really know what the ritual podcast is. But on the other hand, um, you know, he doesn't. He's very spontaneous, and he's really deeply connected to life at a at a spiritual core, and so. He's a, he's a very sensitive individual. It looked very different than the photo that was on his website. And he's very vulnerable, extremely vulnerable. And like I said, I haven't, I haven't gone through all the teaching, so I don't know that I'm in alignment with it all the way through. But I have to say these ideas, and every time I talk to somebody, we're cracking up. Like everybody's laughing in the experience. So I knew Rich was not going to read the book, but we were working on some relationship things and trying to sort of break through. And so I basically summarized it for him and, you know, we went over the points and that's when he was, he was like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, yeah, that makes sense. However, here we were in the drawing room before this is how life shows up. So we just did ritual and devotion to the body, which is the thing that I think rich needs the most exposure to like this is really where, you know, he could grow where, you know, he has this opportunity. And then as life always orchestrates it, he comes to me before the session and says that he's not going to go to yoga because he has to work on the podcast. And when I tell him that I want to sit down to talk about the program so he can choose which times he exits, the whole time his whole energy is, you're keeping me from my life purpose. <laughs> And so we were just in it. We're, we're in it right now, which is why it's so perfect. And so here I am in class, and all you guys are coming up to the bowl, and you've had this like amazing experience, and I'm like, isn't that perfect? He missed the whole thing. <laughs> But here I'm we in are. here like grinding my teeth because like my the screen on my computer is broken. So I can't use my computer and Julie's letting me use hers, but I can't access like my files on the cloud because it's two-step verification and the text message is not coming into my phone because there's no cell service and I'm literally sitting here like spinning and going out of my mind. Well, you guys are all over in there like, you know, having this like Ah, uh, and then, and then you all walk into the room here, like blissed out. And Julie's like, "How was the experience?" And I'm, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not present at all. Like I'm just thinking, how am I gonna, you know, solve this problem? And you know, yeah. And you walked in, and I was like, yeah. Thank you. I know. Do you have better internet service in the office? And I tried to kind of sort that out, and then I came back in, and he's like, I got it taken care of. I was uh, like, okay, I'm going to leave the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. 
So anyway, I mean, I think as a, we're, we're going to talk for a little bit. I want to open this up because I know I've talked to some of you and especially some of the women, uh, I think in business, I think in relationship and I think in business, I've certainly been going through my own uh, evolution as Rich's partner and we have a third partner and you know, there's, there's really a disconnect. There's a disconnect between the power and what is what is useful and what is valid and what is actually our gift of the feminine energy. And it's like Guru Singh talks about it as there's a whole unseen part of the universe that's not being uh, considered. That's not, not, that's not in on the decision. You know, the, the mind goes to, well, what's the physical thing? And it's all masculine, masculine, masculine. And then, you know, in my case, I get, sn I get giggled at in, in a way like, oh, isn't that cute? You know, that it's this kind of unseen thing. And yet if you really break down our life experience, it's because of my devotion that we were able to even be here. Like literally, you know, it's, it's, it's that connection and that level of extreme faith, that level of holding to what you can't see. That's what drives everything. And I'm not a unique feminine partner in a relationship. Feminine energies do this every day, all day long. And so what we have to understand is in a unified world, both energies should be considered with equal reverence. Not, oh, she saw this in a meditation, but yet the bank account says X. We have to start understanding that both are part of the life experience. And that's where the balance comes in. And I find myself, and I'm going to ask Julie to share here, here a little bit, if you, if you would. But what, what we're trying to do, if, you, if the masculine feels a little, bit a little bit put upon or a little bit burdened, it's because we're coming from being completely not considered. And so we have to over... We're like overcompensating to try to get out of this sea that's swallowing us. And we're like, listen, listen to us, like, listen to me. And then it's like, well, you always want too much. It's too big. It's too, you know, so it's the dance between those two energies. And, you know, the masculine is beautiful, cherished, divine without, without the masculine energy, we wouldn't have the world, but it's how do we get to the balance point of that? And so, do you want to share some, Julie, your experience? What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. 
an RRP favorite, and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I mean, there are so many examples that come up for me like daily in a business environment, but there was a recent experience where like I'm part of the executive team and I'm the only female on that executive team. And we were trying to take a deep dive into why we're not executing very well. And so I was the last one to go and every you know, there were eight other men in the room that were all trying to dissect why our team isn't performing as well as it should be. They're like, well, we, we don't have enough skill sets on JavaScript and we don't have enough of this. And we, you know, there were, they were just so like scientific and mechanical about what we needed to do. And, and I was just getting like, so I was getting a little exasperated, frankly, because it came, it was very obvious to me why we're not executing well. And we get, you know, finally come around to the end of the table and I'm like, well, the team dynamic is just totally off. Like the, the energy is not good between some of the teams. We've got some very senior people that, you know, are just kind of assholes and they disrupt the energy in the team. Or we've got these other people that just don't quite have the same style of working. And everybody kind of looked at me like, well, well, that's dumb. I'm like, but it's, it's not, I mean, they didn't say that, but I could tell that that's what they were thinking. And I'm like, it's- you had all your energy assessing right, that like, from every way, right? I can just see that these people don't, like their energies aren't good. They're not functioning well, but if you switch around the teams, then these people like working together and there's like, they want to be there. And so, I don't know, that's one example. And sometimes I just feel like they think, oh, you know, that's just, Julie and her, you know, her intuition, and and I, sometimes I feel discounted about that. Um, so that's, I think, um, a lot of times these ideas just come to me, and they're not rooted out of, you know, science necessarily. They're just instincts that come to me and things that I suggest to the team, and they'll try it every other way. But eventually, they'll get to, oh, you know, this thing you suggested three months ago would have really helped us if we would have listened. So, Yeah, thank you. And I just want to add to that, you know, I think that as women, we have a lot of wounding about that. If you were a, if you were a feminine energy and the most important thing to you is to be seen and you're constantly not being seen, it's like violence to your body, really. 
And so a lot of masculine energies, they're like, oh, and then she started crying. You know, and then I tried to talk to her and then she was crying, you know. But the thing is, is there's so much pain. There's so, if you think you were living a life never seen, you know, and you're always like, uh, okay, hello, over here, over here. And, and also, quite frankly, I mean, in spiritual knowledge, we know that the feminine energy is more connected. She holds the sacred flame. She holds the wisdom. You know, look at planet Earth and what's going on run by a largely patriarchal system out of balance. And you can see that it's not going that well. It's not working that well. So I think that, you know, we also have to be compassionate to our sisters, our mothers, our lovers, our wives, our men that are femininely uh, wired or expressing more of that and understand that it's a planetary wounding and it's a very easy thing. So if you guys are smart or any masculine energy is smart, is to see the feminine energy. Like that's why, you know, we're, there's all the dressing and all the makeup and, the, and all the adornment. That's, that is part of creation. So I think it's very, very helpful to, to know that. And um, anyway, it was kind of funny because uh, Rich and I were in Miami. We were working out this, you know, relationship issues, and I had given him, I have done like the summary of David Data, and we were talking about it on the sand. And I had on like the bathing suit that I take when my kids aren't with me. And so I was sitting, I was sitting on the beach and Rich took this like really sexy picture of me. And usually like the way we are, like he asks permission every time he posts something. Like he's like, is this okay? Well, by the time I left the sand and got back to my room, there was this, he had posted this picture, but it, it had a very deep meaning. And the meaning was that he had heard me because I had told him that I want to be seen. I mean, in that, not, you know, not in that way, but yes, in that way. And so it was a very bold move, you know? It was kind of like, okay, there, I'm seeing you. And I, I kind of was like, whoa, like, I hope my daughters don't see that. But um, yeah, and they did, they saw it, and it did cause some reactions and comments. But in the end, it was good. So anyway, thank you, Julie, for, for sharing that. And does anybody else want to share? There's going to be there's people. Wait, say it in the mic. There's a, there's a nice research study done not too long ago and very valid where the more women you have on an executive team, the better that company performs. It's a staggering little little research, but it's coming. Before you guys go, though, I just wanted to say, the I think the, the fundamental to this whole thing and the teaching of David Data, however, is that is that these this is a paradigm that's established and so what I like read into that or find comfort in is this idea that on some level it's immutable, right? Like I can't, you know, like this is how you're wired. This is how I'm wired. And instead of me trying to get you to be like me or, or vice versa, it's finding a way to like accept that and, and honor that on some level. And so I, I hear and respect everything that you said, but also it works it works the other way around as well, right? So the, the the female energy coming into the male energy, wanting the male energy to like operate, you know, re, you know, reboot the system and get the operating system that you're functioning on isn't gonna work either. That's very true and I respect that. And what I'm gonna say to you is that we have a planetary planetary condition that is skewed the other direction right now. And so for the purposes of learning, 
I'm going to suggest that we stay focused on the feminine because she needs to be seen. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that, you know, yes, that is right. I am talking about balance, but let's give these people the chance to express themselves about the imbalance. Let's discover it. And yes, let's work to an even balance between two. The definition of an enlightened being, you're, you have both energies equal. So yes, we love the masculine. Masculine is loved and, and cherished in the eyes of devotion the same. But the problem is, is that we've been living in a world that is skewed the other direction right now. So we're not going to talk about uh, propping up the masculine just yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I have a question. And sorry, this, in light of what you just said, is a little bit off topic, but I've been starting to see through the lens kind of, of uh, elemental and, and how to relate that to people, elements and personality types and like that. And I'm just curious, how is this a different, a whole different sphere or is, are those two related somehow? Like seeing somebody as fiery or seeing somebody as watery, what I would consider like a... Uh, masculine and, and everybody and you know all these express in different ways in everybody but well I think that's a really good question and that, of course we could dive into that and Colin could go you know for weeks on that uh, but the but the thing I'm gonna pull from that right now which mm -hmm. I think would be really, really helpful is that uh, I think we don't really know what a true feminine energy is embodied in her fullness so we have come from uh, ideologies and things that have been put on with the purpose of suppressing this energy uh, suppressing this force and so we've been taught through Disney movies that uh, that women need to be rescued that older women are not to be trusted because they're going to kill the younger women um, and also that um, that you know uh, they are sort of uh, attached to a moon which is lunar which the root of that word is lunatic um, the crazy cycles that happen when women are uh, on menses. Um, these type of things have been skewed. And so when you talk about elements, I would say that as solar beings and beings of this uh, system, that we, we all have access to all the elements. And Guru Singh uh, recently was speaking in his class about what real love is. And if you only think love is sweet, you're missing the entire experience. And so a beautiful women, woman or fem feminine energy is not necessarily peaceful and uh, complacent and l makes you feel good. Sometimes she's a fierce lion who is protecting her children, uh, standing up and saying what needs to be said. Um, and uh, you know, a mama energy, the, the cosmic mother, She's taking care, and sometimes that requires some intense action. So um, again, I know that's kind of I kind of I kind of took the opportunity to go a little mm -hmm. bit off, but I think both energies will be dealing with all elements. Um, and I, the reason I wanted to have this discussion is I don't really think any of us really know how to be. Like, who are we if we disconnect from this prince princess paradigm? I mean, that's the paradigm that brought us together in relationship, almost every relationship, right? So if we leave that, who are we? And I think we're seeing the young ones are coming in and with the transgender, 
with the kids that are refusing to identify with any gender. They're being gender fluid. We have people in the room. This is, exp this is happening in our own families. So how, I think that that's a breaking of that cycle. And we have to understand that if you, the same energy that is the prince princess is a victim victimizer. If you take it down to the core, it's the same energy. So this is a discussion we have to have, and Plant Power Ireland is going to figure it out for the planet. <laughs> no, I don't know. I will stand because it's hard to sit and talk. <laughs> um, I was going to just talk briefly about being a young woman in business and some of the challenges that I've faced. Um, so some of it, you know, I kind of had a really strange experience where I rose up very quickly. Um, and I think it was because of a very creative feminine energy and they were looking for change. Um, and so I happened to be just there at the right time with some good answers um, for that. And I ended up running a huge training program for the last company I worked for. And, um, but through that time frame, there was a masculine energy that I did feel that there was a disconnect for ideas. When I'd bring things up, it'd have to be, I'd have to repeat it like over and over. Sometimes um, I would stand in like my CEFO's doorway and be like, I have to tell you this because it's really affecting how this program is running. Um, but also I found along the way that there's some women um, that although we're, we're there to um, you know, be heard, like we want to be heard, other women can find that they want to suppress that in you as well. So they want their voice to be heard so much that they're pushing other people down to get them um, to be heard more, I guess is the better phrase. And I remember a direct experience from, I was about to leave the company because I frankly had not been heard, <laughs> you know, um, through the time. And I, I was like, I can't, I can't personally live with the outcome of this situation. I need help, I need resources, and I just don't think that you're listening. Um, and I had an, a female executive actually tell me, she's like, I was a young woman and I had to pay my dues. You have not done that. And like at that point I said, well, I don't really wanna be working for a company with that mentality. So I'm gonna just continue on my journey, and I did. And now I work, um, in a place that has a little bit better energy. I just actually started last Monday. So this is a recent, yeah, it was like, and also I'm going on a trip, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was an interesting experience because along my journey, I mean, I can remember three female experiences where although the male presence was there and I felt that disconnect of being heard, they were like, I acknowledge you're being, you wanna be heard, but I wanna be heard more. So this like intention to push my voice down. Um, so yeah, so when there's imbalances in the energy, then you have those things that come up, you know, in different ways. So yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing. Oh yeah. I do agree that there can be this dynamic where in order to survive, other women have to kind of put, you know, the stand on the backs of other women or push them down or be really competitive because only a few of us feel like we're going to survive. and it's not very supportive sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think that stems from, you know, the Disney paradigm, you know, it's just like, you know, have, have as women, do we really know how to be sisters? Do we really know how to support each other? Are we really in balance with that? You know, I don't think so. I think, I think there's just, 
been a lot that's been out of balance, and so we have to explore that and learn that. Um, and and some you know some do really know how, but definitely exists. Um, I just wanted to say two things. One one is um, how I feel sometimes. I feel um, uh, working with women or having women as friends, um, meeting you guys. Um, when when I when I talk, I'm around women, and, and you have you know issues or stresses or um, you know mental challenges. I think the the masculine energy comes out really strong because it kind of closes you down and you withdraw and you come inside and you really get the sense of that masculinity in the times when women are facing emotional challenges and then when the feminine is showing you really feel that this person is like really here and really happy and together and that's how I feel but one of the things I've noticed when in a workplace and and talking about challenging it is sometimes for women to to get that attention um, when I have to have challenging conversations um, with men or with women the one difference that I always notice is that if I need to have you know that one-to-one -one conversation and I bring a woman to that meeting and I say listen we need to sit down we got to talk about something this is going to be a bit difficult I know that nine times out of ten she's like now stellar focused on what's this conversation about where are we at what's going to happen next when i do exactly the same thing with a man and i bring him into that situation and i say hey we've got to sit down we've got to talk about something this is really difficult he's now playing out all the scenarios and his head is off in a completely different direction than the conversation that we need to have and one little trick that i always use is I always then follow up, typically with guys, I need you to listen. So just asking them and making that eye contact to say, I need you to listen. And then you bring people into the, into the conversation. I think sometimes when you go to, to men and, and, and you want to engage, asking them and saying, I need you to listen. You know, it's, it's an intuitive responsibility that goes into our heads and we're being asked, you know, you need to do something. And as humans, we naturally then feel that we need to fulfill that and give it back to you. So I think you end up with a slightly more engaged, hopefully, conversation. Um, I've got a question about what's happening on a global scale and wanted to get your, thought, your guys' thoughts around that. And where is the balance in, in this rebalancing of the masculine and the feminine. So for things like the women's, the women's march and the whole the future is female thing, I personally couldn't bring myself to go to the march and I don't believe that the future is female. I believe that it is a balance of the masculine and the feminine. So <clears throat> what are your thoughts around these movements? And I get they're trying to uprise and um, bring the feminine into balance, but I also think those quite both of those movements were quite strong. And but I feel like they're coming from a fighting place, and they have this masculine energy around it. So that's why I can't really participate. So, what's 
your thoughts around that? I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but I feel like it's still coming from quite a fiery place. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, the, with, I don't know, marching and demonstrations, it's, you know, I think it's something that you have to feel into, but, you know, it's kind of like if you're fighting for peace, you're still fighting. And the, I think the thing, that the greater awareness is that we understand that both of these energies exist within us. So it's about us balancing it within us. And, you know, the feminine needs the masculine, it, in, and the masculine provides structure and form and, and stability and, and stillness. You know, so it, it is a divine play. Again, it's just, you know, we have, we just barely open this up and we have tears flowing in the room so readily. It's so on the surface. And so that's why I think it's important that we talk about it. I don't think the answer is to go march and say the future is female necessarily. I guess it would depend on the the place you were in energetically for that, for that march. Um, but I do think that we do need um, women-sponsored events and um, movements so that we can bring the balance back into the world, but not not in a in a in a frequency of that. Oh, we don't like the masculine. No, because we have many masculine energies that are beautiful, that are you know extremely loving of the feminine energy, and that are you know champion, champions. We need to work together. We need to figure this out. And I don't think we have an answer as of right now. And this brings me to. You know, something that I really think needs to be brought out in the open and needs to be discussed, and that's pornography. And it's the, you know, addiction to this form of really barbaric, bestial sexuality that we decided was our birthright, you know, to whack off, you know, like animals, like, you know, wherever. Animals don't even do that. They're not watching Netflix or wherever you found that. But I mean, it's really, and, and I think that as, you know, as beings, it's like, and you know, men in general, you know, are addicted to that thing and they feel it's their birthright and that, and that this is my thing. That's what guys do. But I want you to then apply that to your own daughters. I mean, is that what you want? Is that, is that what you think about the feminine? Is that what you think she is or it is? And you have to understand that that, that is what you're setting up. If you're doing that, you're participating in that framework. That is not divine sexual energy. Now, I'm all for sex. Go forth and have a blast with any variety, anything you want to do with consenting adults. I don't care. Um, and, and spiritual energy is sexual energy, is creative energy. It's magnificent. You know, you ask what, what, are, what are the things that bring Rich and I together? We happen to be extremely divinely paired in that way. It's a creative dance every time. It's magnificent connection. But we don't use any of those. We don't use toys. We don't fantasize out of the room. We don't, we, we don't do that. We don't watch that. And I think that... And, you know, there's eons we could go. I mean, we could go, like, much farther, you know. But I guess what I'm saying is you got to understand that that energy is not high vibe. It's just not. And so, you know, choose to, you know, choose, you can choose in your individual moments to celebrate both energies as divine. And I think that as a starting point, Mel, we have to do this disconnect. We have to go, wait, yeah, that's not that's not it, you know, disconnect, disconnect. So it's the, you know, prince, princess paradigm. It's, you know, understanding the existential energies of, of who we both are. And we have to understand when I go into his space that I'm causing, I'm, 
I'm disturbing his peace by my very nature. And I can't take that personally. I have to understand that he needs that space. He needs that time to unwind, you know, to like disconnect, to not, to have, you know, not more creation presented to him. So it's a dance between the two energies. Um, that's what I would say. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. It's a little overwhelming because I want to respond to everything, but I'll just pick a few and just because Mel's was most recent. Um, I understand and I think a lot of women struggle with where they want and how they want to align with the Women's March, most recently but the women's movement. Um, but people, I, I, there's a misunderstanding that feminism or the feminine rising is about equal rights for all and um, not women power, but any, it, just healing and repairing the world. I know you know that. Um, but, and that women marching isn't, isn't to me a fight, it's showing up and saying this matters in whatever form. It doesn't have to be a march. Um, what else? And pornography and, it's not just, por I just also say, to me, it's not just pornography, it's everywhere. It's like Disney and advertising and that imagery and just raising our consciousness of it is really imperative and powerful. And just, I'm so grateful we're having this conversation. It's my favorite conversation. As David knows, I've been, we've been having it all week long. He, me, always. So if anyone wants to talk about it more after this, I want to talk about it more. <laughs> but thank you. Thanks, Jenny. I might get the mic again, because. Um, I just had two things to say um, about the marches. Um, I was in Cincinnati. I didn't know anything about it, because I kind of live in a cave in my studio. And like I'm always sewing and drawing and whatnot. And one of my friends said, hey, you want to go march? I'm like, what march? Um, so it was like last minute. <clears throat> and in the knitting world, way back in October on Ravelry, people started knitting those hats. Because 
Like if I couldn't go to DC, I could knit a hat and give it to like Yashim who was gonna go. So it was, it was my way of being there without being there. Um, anyway, in Cincinnati, I didn't know about it. I had to make a pink polar fleece hat at the last minute and um, I was amazed. There was a whole entire city block that is a park that we got there early in the morning and it filled up with more and more and more and more people. And I was blown away because it was such a tightly packed crowd and nobody was agitated. People were trying to squeeze past each other and they were polite. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Oh, do you mind if I squeeze over here? I've never ever been in such a tight crowd that was so calm. And there were people with signs that had wiggled in that were very inflammatory. Nothing happened. And then after like 45 minutes, the, whoever brought the sign in had left because they couldn't get a rise out of this crowd. And it was so huge that when we started walking, it was we were just going to walk to City Hall, which was like four blocks away, go around a block and come back. And it was quiet. And, and every cross street that we went across, there were police that were there. Everybody was saying thank you to the police, and the police were, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was the most peaceful, amazing thing I've ever been part of. So, and I didn't have a feeling at all that it was about women trying to take power. I felt like it was just what you said. It was like, just, just hear us, you know? And so that was nice. And then the other thing I wanted to say was about identity. Um, my boyfriend um, is, is like not prejudiced or like he doesn't hate gays or anything like that. He just cannot understand it. He's like, okay, I know that dudes are gay, but I, I just can't understand. Like, I can't mentally go there. I don't get it. And so then when my daughter came out as transgender, we had this conversation one night and he was trying to understand, like, how does my daughter know she's a girl when she's got, you know, at the time, man parts. And so Jack said this thing that was like so profound. He goes, okay, close your eyes. We were sitting in the car. We hadn't gone into the house. So we're like in the dark. And he goes, close your eyes right now and you can't see your body. How do you know you're a girl? How do I know I'm a guy? And neither one of us could answer the question. We're like, oh, that is like so, like I still haven't answered it. Like, how do I know I'm a girl? Like if I was, you know, if I couldn't feel what I had or see what I had, or if nobody had told me my whole life, but I, yet I know I'm a girl when I shut my eyes. And, and so my, and my daughter knew she was a girl, but it's crazy. Anyway, I just want to throw that out there. Um, I was just thinking with Mel's question about this, there's a great story about, um, about Mother Teresa and a group of students during the Vietnam War going to her. They traveled some long distance. She was off helping people somewhere. And uh, they went into her office, and it took them a long time to get there. And they said to her, would you come to an a anti-war rally for the Vietnam War? And um, she said, no, I'm not interested. And these students, you know, were all downcast and down, crestfallen, and they kind of went, well, we just traveled so far to come here. And so they kind of hang their heads and they leave after trying to convince her for a while. And she stops them at the door and she says, but if you have a pro-peace rally, you bet I'll be there. 
And I think there's something really, you know, there's a powerful message there that's fairly obvious. But um, I think that sort of sentiment is also true for what's going on with the women's movement now. Um, um, in that, you know, I heard a great quote recently. Somebody said, uh, girls compete and women in power. Um, and that we have, you know, thousands of years of conditioning that tells women they have to compete with each other uh, for men. And it's pretty deeply, it's almost like cellular, um, instead of empowering one another. And it seems to me that rather than it being a big movement, it's about first and foremost women changing their own uh, perspective towards other women. And um, that shift is a one-to-one -one thing, I think. Uh, and that when I see, you can see it even in a woman if you meet her in a way that she relates to other women. There's an energetic thing that's happening there, which is it's a flow instead of a competition. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention was, you know, I've noticed in relationships that I've been in that um, that there's this thing where a, a woman will come to a man and she'll be talking about like a situation that she's having or a problem, and it's you know emotionally oriented. And the man will listen, and usually he's not really listening. He's just thinking like throughout it, like I'd fix it like that, I'd fix that like that, I'd fix it like that. Like, uh, and he's kind of going like, "The hell are you on about? Like I don't need all the details. Like here's how you fix it." And you know, you the the woman then gets to the end of her explanation, and she's kind of like, "You know what I mean?" And then and then the man goes, "Well, very calmly, right?" Well, you need to just tell Sally to stop being a bitch, and then uh, you know, and like, like it's uh, the orientation is just, well, there's A, B, and C, and then you got these two options, obviously, and then you kind of watch the woman sort of glaze over, and like you can, you can feel the this thing rising that's like, I want to injure you right now, you know, like or maybe poison you with arsenic or something. And it's that the woman is asking for the man in that consciousness and that spaciousness to hold the space for her to experience the intensity of creative uh, feminine energy. And that the man's coming in with like, well, just give it some structure. It'll be really simple, you know. And, um, and that dynamic is going on collectively. It's in organizations. It's going on in the, in the example that was given. Uh, and that... When I sort of realized after like smashing my head against that situation over and over and going, this doesn't seem to ever work. And actually to the point where a woman after a year, a couple years in a relationship just says, I'm not being seen, I'm not being heard, I'm not understood, I'm not supported. And then the relationship ends, it just dissolves. And um, the, sort of the pain as a male of going, but I was doing my best, you know, of, of realizing that I was never actually there for the for the woman in all of those instances. And on the other hand, the times when a man comes and he says, I have this problem. And the problem is like very mental. You know, it's like, here's these eight things and I can't quite figure out how to tweak the gears such that it works better. And then the woman gives some some response that's like, well, have you ever considered what Tom feels about the situation? And you're like, well, fuck, that's not an answer. You know, like, how do I... <laughs> How do I fix it? And actually, the issue is you need to just be like, Tom, how do you feel about the situation? Um, and so we have this thing that has to do with mental and emotional and, and physical. And actually, what I'd suggest, uh, and I sort of intimated this in this talk yesterday or whenever that was, um, which is that 
that's a mental and emotional issue. Uh, but the resolution is at the level of the body, at the level of sensation. And we collectively have lost this embodied, this capacity to embody life. And what I realized, just to, to kind of finalize this, is that when my relationship with a woman, when they're talking and feeling and, and trying to resolve something but not resolve it through structure, when I can enter into, can I feel them? Can I physically uh, f experience what they're feeling? Which starts with the breath. Can I breathe this being into me and extend that breath back to them and enter into what I call a flow? Uh, then the energy of presence enters into this situation. And when a woman feels that you're present, it means that that space that she's looking for in the masculine uh, is now there. And then she says, ah, the space I was looking for, the space to be, the space to create. And I think for a man, it's actually the same thing. And that's where there's a union. Uh, and I think the last thing I'll just say is that I think that also is uh, at the essence of uh, real intimacy, because intimacy is the space of vulnerability. And it can't happen uh, without presence. And that happens through the body. It happens through, can I feel this person? Am I really aware of them? And that requires extraordinary vulnerability, which is where um, intimacy begins. And you know, it takes a lot of that. That is a practice of in and of itself. I think you could throw out all the meditation and all the yoga and all that. And if we could just do that with people, enter into that. Can I feel you? And not think about things while you're talking. Just take you in and be present. Uh, that's a more transformative practice than probably any other one. So, anyways. Thank you, Colin. It's beautiful. She's lost her thought. So thanks for this again. I'm, I had this experience that this week, like, I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Oh my God, this is exactly what I want to talk about. What, why, what? So back and forth, back and forth. And that's the, that's the male just fighting his ass to try to protect himself. And so thanks again, Julie, Rich, your old news buddy, but we're just primitive beings here. Um, but I, I think, uh, I think this is a, this is, there's so many levels to this conversation that are profound and um, the, the thing about, you know, this idea of pornography really is an interesting one. I'm, I was thinking about in, um, in my doctoral program, this is in 2001, so, that, so it wasn't even, I mean, it was easily accessible, but nothing like what it is today. And I think about my kids growing up in this world, and it, it freaks me out, but there was a, Google had this little tidbit where the number one search on the internet was depression and getting information about depression. And the, the second largest search was for pornography. And when you just think about those two things together, I think men are, are yes, we are actually on, maybe on the top and have been on the top in, in terms for, for many, many millennium. Um, and it is making us sick. And our sickness is because I think men are desperate for connecting and they're depressed and they can't access that intimacy. Um, and so pornography is just another drug that makes us not want to look at how alone we are. And, and I, so I do think it's very much about the balance of the two and, and men giving themselves permission to actually even feel, first of all, uh, and then finding the behaviors that, that make 
that make that come out in a healthy way. So I think it's a very, very powerful topic. And it's scary in many ways of how it's going. And I don't you know if we all have the answers of how to get it back on track to kind of get to what we all really want. You know, So it's, it's, it's a deep one. So the last uh, question or offering. Yes, and OK. Um, I don't know if it's a question. Yeah, probably. I, I'm I'm uh, looking for what what um, I'm I'm curious what you think about. Um, so, continuing from where uh, Colin left, um, when there is a dynamic that happens that there is no you know one, may, let's say the female is not seen, that can happen happen often and um, there is an immediate like close down I think in the heart that happens. Like a hurt. Um, I think in order, and and that might mean like a separation, very obvious separation. And I was told, and I I am trying hard, and I'm finding it very challenging. To I think the role of the feminine there is really try to stay open and be receptive, no matter what. And that's challenging. So how do you do that? So you've, yeah, thank you for your beautiful intuition because you tapped into really the, the core of David Data's work, which is what he talks about through all of this experience, is uh, that our challenge is to understand what's happening and remain open. Practice on keeping the heart open, but that's for both. It's for everyone. So you can see this, um, this uh, it's almost like the masculine will never fulfill the feminine and the feminine will never fulfill the masculine. And so within that, there is a grief or there's a, you know, it's it's almost like the setup. Like we've been set up to try to achieve this union, and yet it's an it, it will never happen eternally. It will never happen. So within that, there's some letting go, or there's some sadness of not being seen, or or you know frustration of not of being disturbed. Uh, but what our challenge is is to recognize it, see it happening, and instead of in that moment closing the heart making the decision to stay open through it. And then what, how Colin spoke with, with the presence, it will, um, if you can stay present with it, it will transform the energy and lead to true intimacy, true connection at a very deep level. So that was a perfect wrap up to the session. Yeah. And <clears throat> I would just add to that, that, uh, you know, within that it is a, it requires a conscious, deliberate, uh, you know, practice. It's not a default setting. At least it isn't for me. Like I have to continually remind myself in order to override the deeply ingrained, you know, preset that I have, which is to, you know, do what I do as a guy, right? Like I have to like go, okay, this is one of those moments. Like I've got to be, you know, I've got to override the defaults and like show up in a different way. And, you know, sometimes I'm really good at it. Most of the time I'm, you know, weak to mediocre at it. And sometimes I fail completely, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, Julie can be the judge of that. Uh, and, and likewise in the reverse dynamic, but, but I think, you know, getting back to this idea of, of, of transcending the prince princess, you know, Disney fairy tale dynamic. Um, you know, one of the things that, that comes up when people ask Julie and I, like, how do we make our relationship work? You know, we're not, we, as she mentioned earlier, like, we're very independent people. Like, and I'm really not looking at her to complete me, nor does she need me to complete her. That we are, uh, you know, our, our spiritual paths are 
perhaps in parallel and overlap at times, but are our own unique journeys, right? And and to respect that she has her journey and for her to respect that I have my journey and to not need it to be any different than it is to uh, like create space for the allowing, um, I think has been something that has served us well. And that's something we've had to like lean it, learn into, I would say. Is that accurate? Beautiful. Yes, that was accurate. That's yeah. good. Yeah, definitely. You and, know, and it's, I don't know that you've said it. I mean, you've said it before, but I don't know if you've said it. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you like that. Was I not? Was I not? See how he does that? He just talks right over me. (laughs) (laughs) I acknowledged it. I overrode the default. Um, You've said this many times. I don't know that you've said it during the course of this week, but that idea of um, now I've totally lost my train of thought. It's the. um, It will come to me in a minute. Uh, Oh, the idea that uh, uh, now I lost it again. Wily thought. Um, my brain's not working very okay. well today. I'll come to it in a second. You, you want can me talk to now. say something now? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. This is how we work together as a team. <laughs> so I guess, you know, not on that topic. I'll get back to where, where Rich is leading me. I'm not exactly sure right at this moment, but I'll, I'll figure it out. But I do want to say that I think there is this uh, saying in our culture, you know, that that, that every man has a you know, very uh, powerful woman behind him. And I think that needs to be completely exploded into the multiverse. I mean, each one of us have something to offer. Each one of us, we were created for a reason. There is no paradigm like that. That's not, that's not it. And so the answer to Claire's tears is that she needs to be seen. It's not Andrew is the front man. It's that Claire needs to be seen. And that's it, period, end of story. So, you know, a lot of my... Uh, pain also was, you know, as I told you, my entire life story yesterday because somebody asked the question. But, you know, I was an entrepreneur. And then all of a sudden, you know, life put Rich in the center of this whole thing. And it, and it was going on much longer than I wanted. So I have a lot to offer. I am not, you know, behind Rich role. Like, that's not, that wasn't my life purpose. It was one of the things that I did in my great expanse of my life. And I have many things that I'm going to do. And it's been... A process for me and it's been hard for us we've gone through a lot of back and forth and a lot of wounding and a lot of pain over you know what is the what is given to the public and what is that story and what is the truth of our energy and you know beautifully and luckily we've been drawn again closer together uh, but we are reorganizing our company um, because I am here to be seen Claire and I'll be waving to you from my place. Um, And, you know, that's the thing. We need to bring this feminine energy forward. We need to acknowledge all the qualities of both energies equally um, with reverence, with devotion and honoring life, which comes through in these forms and irrespective of the body that it comes into, as Janie shared, if we all closed our eyes, I mean, I would say how we would know I would, I would say we might know if we're more operating feminine or masculine rather than girl or boy. But um, I think, you know, you can feel those vibrations or, or what is, you know, what is driving you more. But eventually, as we synthesize, we'll become even in those two. And, you know, we may walk a little different. You know, I met a guy last week, a beautiful young man who's wearing uh, skirts 
not because he's transgender or not because he's a cross-dresser, because he realized there was a disconnect between him honoring the feminine. And so he's wearing a skirt to remind him of that work that he wants to do in that. Did you remember, honey? It's fine. I think that's a good place to end it. It's a good place to yeah. end it. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Please check out this week's show notes on the episode page at richroll.com for more goodies, more goodness to expand your experience of this podcast beyond the earbuds. If you would like to support my work, please, please, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. doesn't take any time. It's really simple, but it very much helps with the show's visibility. It helps extend reach and expands the audience, which in turn makes it easier for me to book the very best people for future shows. Other things you can do to support this podcast, you can share it with your friends and on social media, leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash rich roll, more videos on the way. We also have a Patreon set up for people who want to contribute financially to my work. Thank you to everybody who has done that. I will be announcing a new Ask Me Anything AMA exclusively for Patreon supporters uh, on that platform very soon. Also, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rich Roll. And most weeks I send out a free newsletter called Roll Call that has five or six things that I came across over the course of the week that I found inspiring or informative or educational articles, documentaries, videos, podcasts I listen to, products I'm enjoying, stuff like that. No affiliate links, not trying to sell you anything, no spam. You can sign up for that uh, in any email capture window on my website by just entering your email. Uh, okay, that's it. Thank you to everybody who helped put on today's show. Jason Camiolo for audio engineering, production, show notes, interstitial music. He's doing a great job. Sean Patterson for graphics and Anna Lemma for theme music. As always, of course. Can you guys hear the wind out there? It's crazy right now. All right, see you guys back here in a couple days. Peace, plants. Namaste. Yeah.